Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, today I'm here with Jennifer. Jennifer Olympic is a food addiction coach and recovering food addict who has devoted her life to speaking, writing, and coaching on this debilitating disease. Jenny's intense passion to raise awareness and help others comes from her own personal struggle with food. She sought treatment at age 21, but sadly it was ineffective. I mean, that happens quite often. I've definitely sought out help that has been ineffective for many things. (laughs) Finally, at the age of 45, she learned her severe addiction to sugar and flour, the addictive culprits of her insane obsession and compulsive compulsion to eat. She currently resides in Florida with her three children, maintaining a 75 pound weight loss and enjoying a full life and obsession free. I love that. How, how is it in Florida? Because we are recording right now in May, and we're all yeah. in the midst of a pandemic. <laughs> so. well, right now, for the I would say for like a good eight weeks, we had unbelievable gorgeous weather. And it just turned, and we have like April showers now in May. And we really needed the rain, actually, but it's been really gray and ugly. So we were very spoiled because, you know, we could get the kids out of the house and everybody could walk in the morning and then we would take a walk after dinner. And it was really nice. But right now it's yucky. Um, In my county, I'm in Palm Beach County, they open the beaches today, but you can't drive to the beach. You have to Uber or do something because they won't, I don't know why, but um, it's not even beach weather. (laughs) It does. I I don't, I think they're really trying to control the population. They were afraid maybe that all, you know, hordes of people would come to the beach, but not, not in this weather, honestly, not today. It's too gray and cloudy. Um, and things are slowly opening up. I don't go out to eat and, um, I'm not about to go get my nails done. It's not something that I'm jonesing to do. So we're still pretty much, um, quarantining. I am letting my kids, I have a 12 year old, a 14 year old and a 19 year old, one friend at a time you know, to go to their house or to come to our house because they, you know, we were good for like eight, uh, for 10 weeks. And then just yes. yesterday I let them see because it, it, enough was enough. It was really, it's hard. It's a hard, hard time for them. I think that's and, where everybody's getting to is like, I need human interaction beyond my household. Yes. I know my teenager has been going a little crazy and she was getting that interaction with her job, but she wasn't keeping up with her schoolwork. So now no job. (laughs) So she's a little angry with me. Luckily the little ones are all around the same age. So they kind of play with each other and I'm not, you know, too concerned with that. But um, yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride for sure. Yeah. And we just found out camp was canceled for the summer. So that's really concerning because nothing's open here. So there's really nothing for the kids to do. At least now they're still occupied by school for a couple of hours a day. Yeah. But when school stops, I mean, camp virtually, like what is that? Swimming virtually, like arts and crafts (laughs) virtually, like this is not camp, you know? And I know people are trying to be creative and and give us options, but it, it's really, it's kind of depressing. I have to say it really is yeah. a sad, sad time. 
Yeah, I agree. So today we're going to talk about a food addiction. I would love, and I don't know if we've ever talked about that topic on the podcast. If we have, I have completely forgot because we are at like 300 and some odd episodes. That's great. That's great. <laughs> Something insane. Um, I would love for you to share with us your story of food addiction. Where did it start? What bring us through to okay. where you early. found out that you have an addiction to food? Yeah, it started early. Um, I was like six or seven. Um, I grew up in a, you know, things were tumultuous in the house. My mom was an alcoholic and I think there was just a lack of um, security and um, my parents were preoccupied, let's just say. And um, I think I felt that and I used food to fill me up or to give me that sense of security. Mm -hmm. And I found food early and very early on, I would say around seven, I was very conscious of my body. I wasn't, I, I always felt like I was chubby. And mm -hmm. I was bigger than the other little girls on the, on the street that I lived on, but I, you wouldn't, I don't think it was so significant, but this is, it's centered in my mind. Right. And then things got really, I noticed when I went through puberty, I was around 13, one serving was no longer enough. I needed to go back for more food. And of course I went back for the carbs and the sugar. I didn't, you know, I wasn't going back for the vegetables. So I started to put on weight when I hit puberty. And then, you know, it, it was okay. I could manage it. And then I went on my first diet. Then this diet started. And I went on my first diet in 10th grade. And I lost weight. And I got down to like 127. I started at 150, got down to 127, literally stayed there for three minutes and started eating my way back up. And by the time that I went to school, junior year started and, oh, I was feeling so thin and beautiful and gorgeous. And by January, no lie, I was like, by February, I was 180. That's my food addiction just took off in high school. Again, I was going through a lot of things in my personal life and food I used to comfort me. And the crazy thing is, is I don't remember having money or shopping for binges or whatever. I just know that whenever I had the opportunity, I was shoving it in my mouth. That's all I could tell you. And the proof was in my physicalness. Um, went to college, started drinking, you know, yeah. and um, went Phew. to college. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, you know, like I said, I grew up in alcoholism. I started Alateen at 13. And then, so I knew the signs and the, the warnings of alcoholism and drugs and all that. And um, the first two weeks of my college, I had a, my first blackout and I knew I was in trouble. Spent college years drinking and partying and eating and just doing everything, not caring at all. And then my dad died two months before I graduated college. Mm. And that brought me to my knees. Mm -hmm. I was devastated. Um, I still get choked up. It was so long ago and I, I just, it, it just blew up my world and I really just didn't care. And I, I came back with a vengeance. I was doing everything with a vengeance, eating at people, sleeping around, drugs, alcohol. It was just nasty because I was in so much pain. 
so much pain. And I graduated college. My face was the size of a soccer ball. If not bigger, I was bloated and I was absolutely miserable. When I came back, my stepmother, who I never got along with, said, you know, you should try treatment for your eating disorder. And I was like, you know what? That's a good idea. So I went, that's how I wound up in Florida. So I grew up in New York, came down to Florida to go to treatment. I was 21. Treatment was Treatment was eye-opening for the fact that I really was able to realize that I had a serious problem with food and it wasn't going to go away. Mm. But treatment did not teach me how to take care of my food addiction. And they, they, knew, they said that we should stay off sugar. This is the problem. They never addressed flour. And when you overeat and binge on flour, bagels, and all that kind of carby stuff, pasta, it turns right into sugar. So you're going to have the cravings. So they didn't acknowledge that. And to this day, they still don't. It's very sad. There's a lot of, this is why I speak out so much on it, because Mm -hmm. people keep relapsing and they can't figure out why they can't stop binging and they can't lose the weight or they can't keep the weight off after a diet because they're not, they're still putting their drugs in their system. They just don't realize it. So of course, got out of treatment and was on this cycle of, you know, started binging again, eating my face off. And then it was just like going up and down and up and down and up and down. One diet after the next, I did the cookie diet. I put shots in my stomach. I did Weight Watchers. I did this. I mean, the diet doctor, I did everything. And I could never, ever keep it off. And then by the end, really, by the last two years, I would say, of my addiction, there was, no, there was not, not even a possibility of dieting. I couldn't do it for three mm-hmm. hours. I could not. I just could not. I was done. And I was kind of resigned to like, okay, Jenny, you're just going to be fat. You know, you're just going to be heavy. And I was 200 pounds. So at the age of 45, I really hit, I, I had a midlife crisis, you know, and it was my birthday. And that's a time where you evaluate your life, right? Mm-hmm. And I was pretty much, I'm thinking half my life is over if I have a good run. So, and I just was so unbelievably miserable. I was obese. I was not in a healthy marriage. Um, My life was just going nowhere. You know, I was a mom and I was a a functioning mom and I love my kids, but my life, me, I, I lost me completely. And I really believe that my higher power, I was not on the path that he had for me. I was on a self-destructive path and this was not what God wanted for me. So I really had to take stock. And, you know, like I, I, I skipped over this, but I did get sober when I came out of treatment for food addiction. I did get sober and stopped drinking because I knew that that was a problem for me. So I had exposure to the 12 steps and to the meetings and, and things like that. And that helped me grow up and uh, probably kept me sane. So I knew when I was ready at 45 that I had to put down the food. I knew that that was somehow... I didn't know how, I didn't know what the problem was. I started seeing all kinds of doctors, but I knew that that was going to be how I was going to get better. That's all I knew. I don't, don't ask me how I knew that. So I came across a woman who said to me, you know, you sound like you have an allergy to sugar and flour. And I had never heard anybody say that. What do you mean an allergy? But that made sense to me because if you are part of a 12-step program and you go to AA, they talk about the allergy to alcohol. Mm -hmm. 
So then things started to click in my head. Okay, I am totally allergic to sugar and flour because I'll tell you what happens to me and this will happen to most food addicts. When I put sugar or a flour product into my system, my brain goes bing, bing, bing and it lights up like a pinball machine mm -hmm. and I just want more. It sets up a mental obsession and a physical craving that is powerful and I just have to feed the beast and I, I couldn't stop eating, you know? Nobody knew. Nobody knew the pain I was in. And it's so, and this is the sad part, in our society, because over 60% now of our population is obese, it's very common for people to be 50, 60 pounds overweight. It's almost the norm. So I don't think people were looking at me like, wow, you know, but it didn't matter what other people thought of me. I could not find happiness in my own body. I know there's a big movement out there that says, love yourself the way you are, accept your body. And, and, I, and I agree with that to some extent, but I could not because I was not healthy. It was not healthy. I, I envy women who can be large and comfortable in their body, but that wasn't my story. I could not get there with all the therapy, with all the whatever. So for me, I really said to myself, I want just once in my life to feel sexy and thin and pretty. I want to know what that feels like to be thin. I had never in my life been thin for more than three minutes. So um, that was a goal. So when I stopped eating the sugar and flour, a miracle happened. And I wasn't craving. And I'll never forget, it was day eight that I was doing this food plan that I was following with no sugar and flour. And I could not believe I got eight days behind me without this stuff that I couldn't put down for an hour. Like I would go to the supermarket, get my stuff, and I couldn't make it home without opening a box or a bag to shove in my mouth. I just mm. couldn't. And... Um, and I'll never forget day eight. I was like, I cannot believe I'm really doing this because it is a very structured and disciplined way of life. Mm -hmm. But if you have addiction like I did, then you know that there is no life because you're just obsessed about the food all the time or the size of your body. You go into a classroom, you're in a mommy and me, you're at the gym, wherever it is. I'm busy comparing my body size to everybody else's. And I wonder what they eat and how come they can eat that, but I can't, you know, it was just craziness. And it doesn't matter. I can't do it. Some people can, and there are many, um, there's a big scale of food addiction. Some people are at a four and some people are at a seven. I was at a 10, you know, but there are still people between that five and 10 that are suffering and they don't realize that if you just put down sugar and flour and you have to put it down for a good 30 days, I would say optimum 60 to 90 days is the optimum. You are going to see a tremendous difference in how you feel and how you look and how you come alive. And that's a very hard message to send people because people aren't willing to give it up for that long because it's not easy. You know, oh, they can't have a drink if they go out to dinner. And, you know, food is such a tremendous part of our culture. And we have a diet culture and a diet mentality that 
um, it's gain and lose and gain and lose and I'll go on this diet and then we'll stop and then we can eat everything. And it's just, it's so the norm that we've really lost perspective. Yeah. And uh, the worst thing is food is necessary for us to like live. So it's hard for somebody to have a food addiction. I mean, yes, the sugar and flour isn't necessary, but like it's hard to have. Yeah. It's hard to have a, a, for somebody to have a food addiction because you have to eat. So yes. you're kind of like facing food every day and you have to have the willpower from what you're saying with the, sh- the sugar and flour to like, just not eat those. Well, things. that's so interesting that you say that because it's not willpower. I promise you that once you truly get sugar and flour out of your system, and I want to, re- I want to c- clarify this. When I say sugar, I mean all forms of sugar. I don't mean honey is not okay. Agave is not okay. Fructose, none of it. If the sugar doesn't come in the product itself, like fruits and vegetables, we are not adding anything. I don't do sugar substitutes. You got it. If you really clean out your system with the sugar and the flour, and I'm also talking all types of flour. Some people say, well, I won't do white flour, but I'll do corn flour and I'll do almond flour. You're still binging on this shit. You could get so much stuff made with that kind of stuff and you're still eating the crap. So let's not kid ourselves, okay? So when you clean your system out, you no longer crave. So you no longer have that physical craving which releases you from the wanting the food all the time. Mm. The discipline comes and the joy comes when you're doing and living that lifestyle every day. And then you go to a party and you see the food because food is everywhere. Right. You just don't even want it anymore because you're loving the way you feel in your own body. You love waking up and your stomach isn't out to China because you're not bloated and you're not, you don't have your gut issues that's going on. You know, Maybe you got off your cholesterol medicine and your high blood pressure. A lot of people are walking down around diabetic and pre-diabetic. I mm-hmm. mean, diabetes is a huge epidemic now. So when you're feeling so good, it's like, okay, do I really have to ruin everything for three bites of a donut? That is going to, that I know that is going to take me to a place that I don't know when I can get back on and off. So the key here is you really need to find a food coach that can really help you get clean and then find support and teach and somebody to teach you how to live this way of life. So um, I'm doing an awesome thing on Facebook. It just started today. I'm doing a three meals, 30 days challenge where, because so many people reached out to me Um, that they were just having such a hard time, which is understandable. People were eating their face off when this first came, right? And now we're over two months into it and people are like really sick of themselves and their bodies and eating like crap and drinking and stuff. So I'm getting them back on track. And the simplest way is to do just three meals a day. Let's get back to basics, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, Mm -hmm. no snacking in between. Some people are choosing not to do sugar and flour, and some people are just choosing to stop snacking. So it's it's a really great challenge. If anybody's interested, you can find it on Facebook. So, um, you know that that's there's a beautiful life, and also with food addiction, it's about the quality of your life. And what's more important than the quality of your life? And right now in this pandemic, the best thing that we can do for ourselves is to eat healthy because our immune systems are at risk. Mm. This, is, this is a whole virus thing. And the better your immune system, the 
better chances you have of fighting this. And do you know what all the doctors said was the common denominator among COVID-19 patients? Obesity. Obesity was a huge factor with all the, with the COVID-19 patients that came in. But like I said to you, they're not really addressing it because isn't it normal to be 50, 60 pounds overweight now as an American? Yeah, pretty much. I like that you said fruits and veggies were okay because I've heard people who are like no sugar and they're like no fruits. And they're like, to me, in my head, I understand there's sugar in fruit, but that makes no sense. <laughs> fruits are good for you. Fruits are wonderful for you, but here's the thing with um, people who struggle with a sugar addiction, you have to really pay attention to the quantity of fruits. Mm. Um, why are like fruit juice places so popular? Do you know how much sugar is in those? Well, that's also because they don't have the fiber that comes in it. It's juice. That's exactly yeah. right. So it turns into pure sugar. When you, when you put them in the blender, it breaks down all the fiber. So it just goes into your sugar and into your veins like liquid sugar. So that's why they're selling out like hotcakes and people think they're eating healthy. You're not. Mm. So, you know, I will tell you like six ounces is a healthy serving size of fruit. I have fruit every breakfast and lunch every day. Yeah. And also on the topic of sugar, I read an article one time that sugar lights up the same part of your brain that cocaine lights up. <laughs> it is just as addicting. I mean, and we are a sugared up society. Let's be honest. Everything has sugar in it. You look at, I, when I was a fitness coach many moons ago, I always taught my clients to read the actual label of because it might look healthy but it's not and then you see like 10 20 30 grams of sugar in in one serving or you think it's a small amount of sugar in a serving but then you look at the serving size and you're like it would take like four servings <laughs> for me oh, to yeah, make whatever yeah i mean that that is a great point um there's so much to address there first of all i always say to my clients no bags boxes or cans mm. we do not it, it is not important to learn how to read a label that is so I, I know that we were taught that from nutritionists and things but it's really a poor way to diagnose because there were no real strict restrictions for the food companies to write labels properly. That's number one. Number two, there are so many names and the way that they can hide sugar that even oh, yeah. if they address like there's 2% added sugar, there's way more in it that they, that they have to legally report. That's number one. So reading labels is just a joke, really. You know, you're just not getting the, the full truth. And you really shouldn't be eating out of bags, boxes, and cans. You know, we have, we have plenty of fruits and vegetables and, and protein. That's all you need. So, um, you know, I, I like, I always say, especially to people who want to get their food together, keep it as simple as possible and don't do recipes. Like people, we are so obsessed with food and recipes just feed that obsession. Oh, I need this and I have to go to the supermarket. So you're in the supermarket, then you're obsessing about how, getting all the ingredients and then you're going to make it and you're just masturbating all day with your, with your drug of choice. It's like, you know what? Cook it and get out. I just, I turn my oven on. I have three racks. Two of those racks have vegetables on a baking sheet for roasting. And usually there's some tofu and chicken on another rack baking. I'm good to go for a couple of days. And when that oven is, you know, I'm not, I'm not baking recipes, just put it in. It's super simple. 
I am about simplicity when it comes to food. Don't complicate it. Stay out of the kitchen as best you can. And you, you sit down, you eat your meal. And when your meal is over, you're done eating until the next meal. And it's just that simple. But because we live in a society that says you should snack and you should eat two every two hours and all these crazy Michigas things. That every two just, hours? That's a lot of eating. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. It's a lot of chewing. But people have sold these things. We have, there's so much. And now intermittent fasting is really popular. Keto is really popular. I mean, there are so many things that personally I don't agree with. But my answer to you is whatever works for you. You know, like if this is really working for you and you're finding peace and freedom, that's what I want for people. I really want you to have peace and freedom in your body and, and peace with the food and not, um, you know, thinking about it, obsessing about it, you know, jonesing for it, you know, just let it be the food. The food is there to heal you. It's to nourish us. This body is a self-healing machine if you feed it properly. And I'm aware that we are all biochemically different. So what might work for you might not work for me, mm -hmm. but I can promise you this, there you will not find a doctor today on the market who's going to tell you to eat sugar because it's good for you. Yeah, I've never heard a doctor never say Never going to happen. <laughs> And now doctors are getting wise to carbs too. Yeah, especially it's, it's when just a problem for people. Every meal that we have has a ton of carbs in it. I yeah. like that you said um, what works for people because I feel like you know people try all these diets, and you can you can find a way to be addicted to food on any of these diets. Like, let's be honest. Like, I don't care what diet you're doing. It, you can find a way, <laughs> like there's always a workabout, like a workaround for whatever it is. Like well, that's the problem. That's the problem with our society, not with our society, but with the diet industry and the food industry. Don't make it like this. I'm going to show you how to make this pizza healthy with cauliflower crust. You know anybody who lost weight with their cauliflower pizza? No. You know, and do you know anybody who's eating those gluten-free almond cupcakes they're not losing weight. This is the story. We, we are trying the food. The food industry is brilliant. And mm -hmm. they spend billions and billions of dollars to get us addicted. You know, that is their goal. And um, to offer you the healthier version. There's no healthier version. Junk food is junk food. It, junk food. <laughs> yep. And if it looks like a cookie, it's a cookie. I don't care. It doesn't, you know. So... We, that's the thing with this society. And that's why um, God bless most of the nutritionists and health coaches out there. They really, I know that they mean well, but the truth of the matter is, is their clients are losing weight, but they're going to gain it back because they're not, they're not getting off sugar and flour. And even if you're not a food addict, almost everybody's addicted to sugar because it is in everything that we eat. So it's kind of like um, years ago, a nurse in France discovered that the patients were coming in and they were going through wine withdrawal, alcohol withdrawal from their daily drinking of wine. Did not make them an alcoholic, but they realized like this is something that is in their veins every day and now we're taking it away and you would watch the withdrawal. The same thing would happen to mo an average American. Take them off sugar and you're going to see one cranky ass person. Yeah. Yeah. 
Definitely. Mm-hmm. And plus, uh, doesn't alcohol turn into sugar in your body? Not all alcohols. Oh, not, all? Yeah, not all alcohols. There are certain alcohols that are pure sugar, you know, have lots of sugar in them and there are alcohols that do not. But the thing is like for vodka, for, for instance, vodka is not pure sugar. But it's what we mix with vodka. That's pure sugar. So that's where the problem comes in. (laughs) Well, I mean, so when I uh, was in college, I thought a vodka tonic was healthy. But when I got older and I was going to make my own vodka and a tonic, and I looked at the label, tonic has a lot of tonic water has lots of sugar in it. Lots. Anytime you taste anything that tastes too sweet to be good, it's sweetened. With, and, and I don't care what they say it's sweetened with. You know, I've had the La Croix drinks and stuff like that. And that's okay, but I don't even like them anymore. They're too sweet for me, really, because my palate is so cleansed, you know, so I just drink water. But I really am a huge proponent because I've worked with so many people. I understand, for example, nuts. Nuts is a wonderful fiber. It's a wonderful protein. It's a wonderful, you know, people call it a snack food, but I use it as a protein for my clients especially ones who are like um, lactose intolerant. Right. I have clients who can eat nuts. I can't eat nuts because I want the whole bag. Depends on the nut for me. Cashews? Oh, oh I will eat a oh, whole bag of Oh, of course. Of but I'm talking like, no, if I'm, am I, no, I let my clients eat like almonds and walnuts yeah. and maybe some Brazil nuts, but no, cashews, pistachio nuts, forget about it. It's the whole bag, sunflower seeds, you know, and who's going to eat the amount allotted? So- right. I can't. So I, I've really learned over the years, like some people can really handle foods. Everybody's different, but you've got to get to ground zero mm-hmm. and get that baseline. And then after you've done that for 60, 90 days, then you can start playing around with, well, maybe I can do this. And when you, and you will be clean enough and clear enough in your body that the minute you put something in that's not working with your brain or your body, you're going to feel it instantly. And then you're going to have to be honest and say, you know what? I can't have that. It doesn't work for me. Right. So that, that's really the best way. But it's hard to do by yourself. You know, mm-hmm. you, need, you need a tribe. You need, a, you need support. You need somebody to guide you and hold your hand through it. Because we, uh, food is ubiquitous and it's subliminal. It's everywhere. I mean, you're watching TV. You don't even notice that they're eating and there's food and the commercials and magazines and billboards. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you just don't even notice it anymore. But all of a sudden you'd be like, oh, I'm hungry. You're not hungry. You just saw something and didn't even realize, or, you know, it's just because it's there we eat. And those are the things where we, um, I've had to learn to become very vigilant about what goes in my mouth. You know, even like licking a spoon. I have three kids, so I cook for them. I make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and stuff. I'm not licking the knife. You know, I'm vigilant about what goes in my mouth. And, and I, I enjoy the benefits of it. Like some people think, oh, that's so neurotic. I understand that mentality and I understand that opinion. But for me, I'm in a size two body that I never thought existed underneath all that 75 pounds. I had no clue. I never thought I could even ever get this thin. And now remain here for six years? Who does that? How many people do you know really maintain a weight consistently? People go up, people go down, people go up, people go down. So, you know, for me, it's all about the peace, the peace around the food. And in this pandemic, 
so many people, you know, like I said, reached out to me and relapsed and, and couldn't get, just couldn't get their food together because we eat out of fear. We eat out, you know, we want to be comforted. We want certainty. You know, uh, we're eating with the family. I mean, there were so many reasons for people to be eating, but it's a short-term answer. You know, it's a short-term comfort for sure. I think we're seeing a lot of relapse for addiction. Um, a friend of mine is recently sober, like a, a couple months sober. And um, she was saying how hard it is. I mean, this is the, probably the worst time to just get sober because yeah. like it is difficult. And what happens, we're in a collective trauma. And what happens when we deal with trauma, we kind of start relying on those unhealthy coping mechanisms that we developed a long time ago, like generations, like you can do a lot of work and yet still like in, in a, tr a collective trauma like this, be like, oh crap. And then just fall right back on it. Cause we don't know how to cope. I'm very thankful for my, by or my every other week therapy sessions <laughs> with my therapist. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, food is very acceptable and even, you know, if you were on social media anywhere, it was like everybody was eating. The memes were really funny and, mm -hmm. you know, oh, I'm going to be this heavy when I get out. And um, alcohol sales went up 55%. I'm really I mean, not surprised. Just, <laughs> yeah, no, of course. And, um, you know, people just really saw it as an opportunity. You know, they weren't working. Chill out. Let's party. Let's, but, but then it got extensive. Like, I just don't think people really realized that this was going to be for a long, long haul. Um, you know, and, and it, it is, you know, we do revert back to our coping mechanisms if we don't have enough support and enough recovery behind us, then it's really hard to stay the path and stay clean. Right. There is hope. My concern would be um, the people that have, so like have an eating disorder or something like, like bulimia or anorexia, that this might feed into that? Have you seen that with clients? Like, or have you worked Most, with anybody that has had these? Yeah, I don't work with anorexics. Okay. Um, that is not my forte. And I, I, I respectfully know what is my place. And, right. and I truly believe you need a certified therapist for that. Um, so I don't deal with anorexics. Bulimics, um, it's the same thing, overeating, binging, whether you're throwing up, whether you're exercising five hours. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all the same thing. And of course, this was triggering. Of mm -hmm. course, people were. Because people, addiction, when you're in addiction, you don't know how to manage your feelings. You know, you have no clue. And you just, it's such a scary place. So you do what is comfortable, what you know, what calms you down. And food does that. And it does that for regular people. But it just, you know, addicts take it to, to the nth degree. And during this pandemic, it was like, it was almost like you had permission. Like it was okay to, to eat and party and drink and be merry and have fun. And for an addict, like I said, you have to be vigilant. It's never okay to pick up. It's just not. There's, not, there's, no, there's nothing that you need to, that, that can happen in your life that needs to be an excuse to use or to abuse yourself. That's really the key. That's the difference between a normal person and an addict. Addicts abuse themselves with their drug. Hmm. That's really the difference. So a bulimic is really abusing themselves when they pick up or choose to throw up again and binge and, and do that whole thing. But 
that's, that's how they manage their emotions. Even if they're angry at you, they're going to show you by throwing up and hurting themselves. Right. And you have to, this is where support and, and therapy and coaches or whatever you're doing to get your support, you must have it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, cause I know why I asked was my, my, um, biggest worry would be that even healthy food you can binge and you know, like even healthy food you can binge and it may yep. not be, um, for, for people with eating disorders, it may not be so much an addiction. It may just be the control. Um, we did Absolutely. an episode on eating disorders. Um, we had actually had somebody on that had an eating disorder and she talked, she had anorexia and I think it turned into bulimia or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said it, it was about control. Like that was the it one thing she could control. Anorexia of course is about control, huge yeah. control, but it's an illusion. It's a complete right. illusion. You can't control, you know, what are you controlling? You know, um, you made a very good point, a very wise point about quantities. And that's what I'm talking about. Food addiction is characterized by an obsession with food and an obsession with weight and by um, the quantities that you eat. Cause there are, you know, I see vegans out there all the time. I've seen people who claim to be sugar flour free and their portions are massive. Mm-hmm. You're not losing weight, number one. Number two, if you're still eating quantities, even if you're off sugar and flour, you're still using because you're getting that sensation of feeling so full, mm-hmm. you know, that's part of the addiction. That's like the feeling where you're just going to go lay down and pass out, you right. know, because you've eaten a trough full of salad filled with crap in it, you know, even if it's not sugar and flour. Very good point that you're absolutely right. But, um, so the food plan that I give has quantities. I do weigh and measure my food because this happens with many people, but uh, specifically with food addicts, our eyes are broken. We have body dysmorphia. We don't see ourselves exactly the way we are. And we certainly, and most Americans don't because we have supersized everything so much in this country. Most people have no clue what a proper size portion is for vegetables, meat, and fruit. And even if it looks proper, it's too small because people are so used to having plates full of food. So that's why, you know, with my clients, if they come to me and they say, you know, I want to get my act together, I want to get my health together, you know, okay, let's start. Get you off sugar and flour. I want you to have a scale. And you could throw away the scale after a certain time if you feel that, okay, now you're okay with your portion control and you know but portion control is a big deal yeah. because like you said, that is absolutely the way people are still binging on healthy foods. But, but there again, how do you feel in your body? You yeah. know, you have to be honest. You, you know, if you're binging on health food, you still feel like crap because the behavior is still there. That's part of the addiction. You can't, the food is one part. This, this disease is emotional, physical, and spiritual. You know, and you've got to work on all three parts, but it starts with the food. You've got to put the drugs down. Just like an alcoholic, you can take away their drug. That doesn't mean they're getting better just because mm-hmm. you took them off drugs and alcohol. You got to work on all the parts, but you got to start with them getting clean. Right. It's the same thing. It's the same thing with a food addict. I was and actually... I was actually shocked when I went to... When I was a fitness coach, I was taught 
to um, look at menus ahead of time and look at like the nutritional value on the menus and the um, ingredients. And I was actually shocked to see that a lot of restaurants, a salad could be almost like the calories <laughs> that you're supposed to eat in the day. Just one salad. <laughs> There you go. 1,200 calories. (laughs) Salads are no longer, if you go to a regular restaurant, salads are no longer made with vegetables. They are made with things like cran raisins and and croutons and seeds and gouda cheese and all these things that are not vegetables. And they just throw it on lettuce and call it a salad. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's understandable. Um, I loved what you said though, and I, I also teach my clients this because when you're a food addict or anybody, because we are human beings with senses, right? We smell food, we mm-hmm. see it, and then we hear laughter and the clanging of the silverware and all of that. That gets our brains fired up. Whether you're a food addict or not, we get excited and we, we like all that. So sometimes, especially the best thing you could do if you really want to watch your weight and you want to watch your food and get what you need is it's a wonderful thing. I always check a menu before I go to yeah, a restaurant. Me too. Can I get my food there? And then I make a commitment of what I'm going to eat before I go because I don't know if I'm going to be strong enough once I get in there and read the whole menu if I'm going to be able to make a healthy choice. Yeah, no, you know, so every time I go to a restaurant, which is very rare, because it is very overwhelming for me, the smells and the tastes and everything, I, I, it's very rare I go to a restaurant. But um, when I do, I make sure that I know what I'm eating before I go so I can keep that commitment to myself, know that I could get my food, and I won't be overwhelmed with the physical smells and, the, and, and all the sensory overload that a restaurant can cause for me. So that is a great point that you brought up. And I, I do teach that and I practice it myself when I do go to a restaurant. So Jennifer, as we wrap up the podcast today, cause the time goes by super quick, uh, what would you like to leave the inspired women audience with? It could be a collection of things, one thing, whatever you, you would like them to know before we get off. Yeah. If, if you're one of those ladies that is dieting every three months, six months, and you're going from diet to diet to diet, I would encourage you to really take an inventory and take a look and go, is this the way I want to live my life? Because I think so many of us settle for, we settle. That's number one. We settle for being 30, 40, 50 pounds overweight. And you don't need to settle. Like You could be in the best shape of your life and feel amazing and want to get up and want to get dressed and and just feel beautiful and sexy in your body every day of the week like why not we're talking about the quality of your life like i often think about like when i eat i love the way i eat because it's so clean but like i have three i have three girls i i know i'm going to have grandbabies i want to be here with them i want to be able to get on the floor with them you know i want to be healthy i you know there's nothing that I could say that's going to motivate anybody to take care of themselves. Um, you just really have to get honest with yourself and say, where are you shortchanging yourself? Walking around 50 pounds overweight and saying you're happy when you're really not. Who are you kidding? You know, you're kidding yourself. And, the, and there's, there's help and you don't have to do it alone. For, my message is to the suffering person. There is a solution 
and you do not have to live this way. And that's really my message because I suffered for decades by myself not knowing that I had an allergy to sugar and flour. Nobody told me, not one doctor. They would tell me to lose weight. They would tell me I was overweight, but not one doctor said, you know, if you put down these addictive substances, you will lose weight and you will feel better and you will no longer crave and you could have sanity because I, was, I couldn't stop the obsession. And there is peace out there. There is an answer for those who are like between a seven and a 10 on the food addiction scale. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.